Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we inspire you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 35, Circumstances versus Thoughts. I was recently traveling and then I don't know if it was the germs on the plane or what, but before I even got home, I was feeling sick. I was not feeling well, which I, I told you a little bit about, but here was the, here was the problem with that is that all of my intentional thoughts, all my intentional efforts kind of went out the window. And I was complaining and griping and unpleasant to be around and just no fun, just no fun. And I just, I found myself going backwards in the way that I think and the way that I behave and everything else just went downhill, just went downhill. But I didn't panic. I didn't panic because I know I've developed skills skills that were still available to me. And I had a little blip in the road, which actually gave me some clues of some things I needed to work on. It gave me some ideas of some things that are there to work on. There's always things to work on. There's always ways to improve. There's always ways to get better. And uh, this was just a another opportunity, another example of things I needed to work on. But like I said, I didn't panic. I didn't beat up on myself about it. I just thought, you know what? Something else for me to work on. Something else for me to work on. Something to think about. uh, Ways to stay in gratitude, to stay in, in a happier place. It's not that we have to be happy all the time. If, if we thought we had to be happy all the time, that anytime we had a negative emotion, we would think something's gone wrong. And it's, it just really hasn't. It's just all of our emotions are just clues to what we're thinking, which is part of what we're going to be talking about. So last week we talked about getting out of the problem spin cycle. And I promised you that this week we would talk about the circumstance or the situation and how to separate the circumstance from the thought. I find that, again, that that's one of the biggest shifts is making that separation from the circumstance and the thought. It was a huge shift for me. It made all the difference. I had heard for years and years that, you know, you change your thinking, change your, change your life, change your thinking. You can change anything, but it didn't make any sense to me until I learned this idea of separating the circumstance from the thought. Until I understood that concept, I had no idea how huge it was, how life-changing it can be. So I hope that you will hang in here with us as we talk about, like, what is a circumstance? What is a thought? Why are they separate? Why? How are they different? And maybe you will discover also, I'd love to hear from you, but I, I would love to hear how it shifts things for you. Because I just always thought that the way that I thought or felt about something was the facts. You think back, you think back to when you were a kid, think back to when you were a kid and you said things like, he's looking at me. He touched me. He's bothering me. She's not being nice. 
all these things that we complained about, we carried on about when we were kids that now as adults, when we look back, we can see how silly it is. So what if he's looking at you? So what if he touched your arm because you're sitting next to each other? (laughs) Think about getting on a plane flight and the person next to you and you are going, he touched my arm. (laughs) Like you cannot help but touch the person next to you when you're sitting on a plane flight. If you're, if you're in coach, there's no way you can sit on a plane flight without touching people. Unfortunately, that's the reality of modern day flying. So we, we, as adults, we can see how silly we were. As adults, we can think differently about it than we did as kids, even though the circumstances haven't changed. So the actual circumstance, the actual situation doesn't change, but because we've changed, we think differently about it. Let that sink in for a minute, because that is what we're going to talk about, because Still, as adults, we do the same thing. It's crazy, but we do. We, we spout things off like all the time. We spout things off all the time. Like she's a horrible person. You can't believe how unfair it was. They are just crazy. He has no business telling me that. He should have never said that. And on and on we go on and on. We have these comments. Think about the last time you said something like this about someone or something like it was a fact. We say, she's a horrible person, like it's a fact, but it's not a fact. That's what's so fascinating about this. It's not a fact. So last week I used the example of the thought, I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem and the feeling of being powerless feeling of powerless. And that the action from that feeling of being powerless is that we take no action. And the result is that we, we don't make any progress, that we don't come up with a solution, which just proves our thought. I'm incapable of doing anything about this problem. We also talked about the problem spin cycle. We have a problem that we're focused on and we can't seem to solve. So then we feel like it means there's something wrong with, with us. If I can't solve it, that must mean there's something wrong with me. And the more we focus on the unsolvable problem, the larger it gets. And the more we become concerned that there's something wrong with us, which makes us feel small. The problem gets larger and we get smaller. So let's use a more specific example. Let's define the problem. Let's give it some context. Let's say we're talking about money. Money is an interesting commodity that brings up all kinds of thoughts and feelings, but money can be measured. So it's a great example. So we might say things like, we don't have enough money. Every month there's not enough coming in and we're stressed about our money and all the bills and there's too many bills and, and my husband spends too much and we have too much credit card debt and it feels overwhelming and out of control. The cars are too expensive. The house is too expensive. We have all of this drama around money. This is just an example. Doesn't mean that this is happening to you or happening to me, but just as an example, this, this might be an example of some things that we think. And if I asked you what the circumstance was, or what the situation was, you'd probably say, it's that I don't have enough money. And you'd go through those same things. 
we don't have enough money. I'm stressed. There's too many bills. My husband spends too much. We have too much credit card debt. The cars are too expensive. The house is too expensive. But that's not the facts. A good way to know the difference between the facts and the thought is everyone would agree, or you could prove it in a court of law. So for example, what could you prove in this scenario? So you could prove the exact dollar amount you have in your bank account. That would be provable. You could prove that your mortgage is X dollars a month. That's provable. But could you prove, could you prove that what's in your bank account is not enough? Could you prove that your mortgage is too expensive? By whose standards? The pauper would say that you're rich if they looked at your bank account and would say that your mortgage is too expensive. But the billionaire would say the opposite. They would say, yeah, you're right. You don't have a lot of money in the bank. But your mortgage, like that's nothing. That's what a billionaire would say. So you can see how the circumstance is influenced by the thought. So it depends on who's looking at it, their point of view. That's the thought. The circumstance is that exact amount in the bank or that exact amount of the mortgage. But the thoughts are created by us. We can see that when we see different people looking at it, they have different thoughts. So the thoughts are optional. So here's what I want you to remember. The circumstance, the facts are always neutral. They don't cause a feeling. They don't cause a behavior. It's our thoughts about it that cause the feelings and the behavior. So if we have X amount of money in the bank account, we can think I'm broke or we can think I have the perfect amount of money. It really isn't influenced by the amount. I know that sounds crazy, but it really is not. How do we feel when we say I'm broke? How do we feel when we say I have the perfect amount of money? How does our thought shift things? So if the situation is neutral, then we get to decide. We get to decide, we get to choose what we want to think about it. So going back to our original example about the problem, if we plug in the money, so the fact is we have X amount of money. And the thought is, I'm incapable of doing anything about my money problem. Then the feeling, again, is powerless. And the action is we take no action. And the result is we have no solution. We have no progress in our money situation. But if we change our thought to a more intentional thought, we still have the same amount of money. The same amount of money is in our bank account. That's the fact. And the thought is, I can improve my money situation. Do you remember that thought that we tried on last week? This time we made it more specific. I can improve my money situation. So now we feel capable, encouraged, determined, and we take action. We take positive action. We learn, we improve. Our brain start look, starts looking for ways to improve our money situation because that's our thought. And the result is we improve our situation. The point is, it's all about our thoughts. We can say we don't have enough money. Every month there's not enough coming in. There's too many bills. We have too much credit card debt. It feels overwhelming. The house is too expensive. We can say all that, but those are all thoughts. None of those things, none of those things 
are facts. None of them. So how do we apply this to a loss and grief? Because after a major loss and in our grief, it's common for us to think things about our circumstances. Let's take this circumstance of someone else, someone else in our life, a brother, a, a sister, a parent. And we, we might say things like, she doesn't care. She didn't show up for me. He was insensitive. Can you believe what he said? They said they would help, but they didn't. So the facts are that person. Let's say it's Joe. His name is Joe. So the fact is Joe. That's it. We can prove that he's a person on the planet. And our thought is he was so insensitive. How does that make us feel? But remember that that is a thought. We think it's a fact. We think it's a fact because we want to bring up all of these examples. We want to say, look, there's this example and this example and this example, and they all prove that he's insensitive, but it doesn't. It doesn't because it, it's not a fact. We cannot prove that he's insensitive because of this, that, or the other. I know it feels like we can. I know it feels like we, we can, but if you'll, if you'll think about this concept and you'll start to start to separate the facts from the thoughts, it'll make a huge different difference. So we, we have Joe. And we can, we can choose to think he's insensitive, or we could choose a more generous thought. We could choose to think, you know, that Joe, he really doesn't get it, but I love him anyway. Like, how does that change the way we feel about it? How does that change it? All of the things that we think about the facts are thoughts. And when we think things like, she doesn't care, she didn't show up for me, he was so insensitive. All those things don't serve us. They don't help us. They don't help us to feel better. They don't help us to feel good about other people. They just keep us in victim mode. They just keep us in negativity and feeling bad. We're, we're accustomed to saying things like, he hurt my feelings. She made me feel bad. But the reality is they can't. It's what we're thinking about what they said or how they acted that hurts our feelings or makes us feel bad. And how do we know that? Because if, if what somebody said can make you feel bad, it would make the whole world feel bad. Think about that for a minute. It would make the whole world feel bad. When, or when we say he shouldn't act that way or she shouldn't say things like that, these are thoughts too. And we are arguing with reality. The reality is he did say whatever it was he said, or she did say that, or she did do that, or he did do that. So to say that we shouldn't, that they shouldn't is to argue with reality. Because how do we know that they should? Because they did. They did. If this concept is hard to understand, which it might be, it took me a while to wrap my head around it. I highly recommend Byron Katie's book. It's Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, Katie. Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is, or any of her books for that matter. She does a masterful job of delving into this idea of arguing with reality. 
What is reality? Reality is what has happened. That is reality. What we think about it and how we spin it. Man, a great example of this is the current political news. You turn on one station and the guy is a hero. You turn on another station and the guy is a crook, right? Think about that. Think about the way that people report the circumstances of the world, depending on their worldview on a political talk show. It's worlds apart. And it's not because they're reporting facts. It's because they're reporting their thoughts about the facts. I heard something, and I don't even remember where I heard this, but I heard this phrase recently, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is so true. We would rather be right than happy. Let that sink in. We would rather be right than happy. Wow, I have spent some time thinking about that this week. So when we say things like, he is so insensitive, he hurts my feelings, we would rather, sometimes we would rather argue for our opinion of it than think something different and be happy. We would rather be, we would rather be right than happy. Let's choose the other way around. Let's be happy rather than right. Such a, such a great statement. Such a great statement. So if we've experienced a loss, when you've experienced a loss, you probably have a certain way of thinking about the loss. And this is a little harder to wrap our head around. With a simple thing like, I'm just trying to think of an example. Let's say somebody says something that we think is snarky at work. And we can choose to think and take it personally, or we can just go, you know, that Katie, she just, she doesn't get it, but I love her. She's just goofy, but I love her. Or we can just be angry about and feel it was just so snarky. They should never said that. So rude. It's easier to separate you know, they said X, Y, Z, and to change our thoughts about that than it is to change our thoughts around something that's happened to us that's been hard. If we've experienced a loss, you probably do have a certain way of thinking about it. So we say things like, it should have never happened. I will never get over this. This has ruined my life. When we apply the concepts of facts are neutral, our circumstances are neutral, or the idea that what has happened is reality, and so to say that it should have never happened is arguing with the reality. When it comes to our loss and our deep feelings about our loss, it can seem really, really harsh. And I, I get that. I totally get that. But I just, I just want you to consider to just get a little bit curious about this idea and just play with the idea that maybe there's another way of looking at it. You don't have to agree with any of this. You don't have to agree with any of this, but just just play around with the idea that facts are neutral, that circumstances are neutral, and that you get to decide what thoughts you have about it. Let's decide on thoughts that bring more clarity, love, and happiness instead of those thoughts that create more victimhood 
anger, and pain. So we can decide to think things like, this is hard, but I know I can find ways to cope. Or this has happened and I didn't want it to happen, but I can slowly learn to adjust. These are new thoughts that we can experiment with. These are new thoughts that we can try on and see how it feels. On a lighter note, years ago, I I had the opportunity when I was young to do a, an executive training program with Dale Carnegie. And when I went through the program, I went through it with a, our management team at work. And after the program, they invited me to come back as a mentor for another company. So, and like I said, I was really young. I was, I was pretty young. And I went back as a mentor to, and they assigned me to this company that was going through the program. And in this particular program that they offered at the time as a business management program, they, they made promises to the companies that came through. And they said things like, you're going to see a rich, you know, cause it was not a cheap program. It was an expensive program. And to come back with as, as a mentor was a, was a privilege because then I actually got to go through the program again without the expense because I was coming in as a mentor. But as I, I watched this company that I was assigned to, as I watched them go through the exercises that was meant to bring them together as a team, to work together as a team and to help them to come up with more creative ideas to come up with more creative ideas, to solve problems, to push their business forward, to develop new things in their business. It it was a program that really catered to their particular needs at the time. But what I noticed with the company that I was assigned to was that every time someone on that team suggested an idea that one of the other team members, usually somebody in a little higher ranking position, would immediately say, oh, we can't do that. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the personnel, whatever it was. So anytime somebody came up with an idea, they would come back with, oh, we can't do that because of this resource or, you know, the money, the personnel, the the building, whatever it was. They always had a reason why it wouldn't work. And I remember being so fascinated by watching this process and recognizing how they were shutting down the process, that they had allowed their resources to determine where they would go instead of their vision. So instead of looking at the vision and then trying to come up with solutions to create the vision and building their resources to create the vision, they were looking at their resources. They were looking at what they're doing right now. Like we, we can't create what we want in the future from what we have right now, or we'd already have what we want in the future. If that makes any sense at all. Like we create the vision for the future with expanded thinking and with building our resources, building our capabilities, building what we don't have. We, we have to, we have to get outside, you know, the proverbial comfort zone. We have to get outside what we're currently doing to create what we want for our future. 
Anyway, I was just so fascinated watching this, this company. And I recognized even as young as I was and as inexperienced as I was, the importance of not focusing on what we have right now, but on focusing on the future. Because with the company that I had gone through with, we had come up with some ideas that if we had just looked at our resources, we would have never been able to do. But because we came up with the ideas and we had these thoughts in our head, we had this vision, then we were able to, over time, come up with solutions that would help us to build up to creating this vision. That's the power of our thoughts. The power of our thoughts are that it gets our brain activated. When we activate our brain with forward-thinking thoughts, even thoughts like, this is hard, but I know I can find ways to cope. Thoughts like, this has happened. I don't, I didn't want it to happen. I don't like this, but I can slowly learn to adjust. Even those thoughts can help us to start to look for ways to cope, to start to look for ways to adjust. So that's my, that's my, I guess my challenge for you this week is to take a look at your current thoughts and separate the facts and then look for new ways of thinking. Look for new ways of thinking. It's not, it's not going from he's a jerk to, oh my gosh, he's the most remarkable guy I know. That's, that's not the point. The point is to go from, you know, he's a jerk to, you know what, that guy, he just, he doesn't really get it, but he's got some good things going for him too. It's not going from this has ruined my life to this is the best thing that ever happened to me. It's not realistic. You go from this has ruined my life to this is really, really hard, but I'll find a way to adjust. I can slowly find a way to adjust. We just want to shift our thinking a little bit. And as we start to shift our thinking and when we get, we become more comfortable with that thinking and we have come, we have come up with ways to start to adjust, then we'll come up with even more thoughts that will bring us a step closer and a step closer. And we will keep moving up that ladder of thinking that will help us to build the life that we really, really want. If you're wondering if you're doing it right, reach out. Send me a message. Let's chat. Email me at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com. Remember, I love you. I believe in you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.